You think you know something about a podcast? You know nothing about a podcast. Welcome to a Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio, aka the Bald Man Home Brewer. Let's get this brew session started. So sit back, relax, listen, and have a home brew or two. Hello, and welcome to a Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio. This is my first podcast with beer best served Um, and I thought I might give you a little bit about my history in home brewing I am not an expert home brewer I am a very young three and a half year old uh, home brewer although I did start before three and a half years ago I actually my first experience with home brewing was over 20 years ago um and it started with my brother uh, giving me a uh, beer, uh, many beers of the night, but gave me a beer, an unlabeled beer. And uh, it was the best beer of the night. And when asking him where this came from, he told me he was a home brewer, which really inspired me. <laughs> I said, wow, uh, best beer of the night, really well done. He showed me his equipment, what he what it took to make it gave me a little you know description and discussion about how it how you can do it you anybody can do it he would you know he said and of course uh he gave me a gift and it was the uh the joy of home brewing by charlie papazin uh the bible the book and i took the book and i went home and i lived half a state away from my brother and um, i'm not much of a reader <laughs> I should let you know, I'm not much of a reader. So uh, I'm more of a do a, uh, DIY guy. You know, I like the kinesthetic components of doing stuff. I like to physically touch. And, uh, you know, if I fail, it's my fault. <laughs> Unless, of course, you hear me yell while I'm, my, while I'm failing. But it's my fault, and therefore I will pursue. I will do it again and again and again until I perfect it, right? So that's the kind of guy I am. So I didn't read the book as well, initially as well as I should have. I really didn't understand the concept of cleanliness versus sanitation. Uh, I just decided to dip everything in bleach and, you know, come up with the best results. Because, you know, of course, it was sanitized. Nothing can grow on it, right? <laughs> so um, getting started in the hobby 20 plus years ago, uh, my first batch of beer did not go well. <laughs> I created a huge mess in the kitchen, number one. Uh, my fiancé was not happy at the time. <laughs> but, you know, I cleaned up my mess. Uh, of course, it created another mess. The bottles exploded. Uh, that didn't go over well. Uh, it was stinky smelling. Uh, and then lastly, the beer was horrible. Uh, I'm not even sure if I let the beer condition well enough, uh, but it, it, flavor-wise, it was not a drinkable beer. I think the hop creeped all the way 
all the way to the back of my throat. And it said, hey, dude, if you want to drink me, go right ahead. But I could not. It was horrible. It really was a bad, bad beer. Strike one. So um, convinced that I made uh, some simple mistakes, uh, read a little bit more in the book. Uh, understood a little bit more about cleanliness and sanitation and decided to give it a second go. Um, not wanting to repeat the first experience, I decided I was not going to store my beer in the closet or under the bed <laughs> and decided, you know, since it's December, I'll store it on the back porch of the apartment. And uh, that didn't go too well. <laughs> the beers, uh, the bottles froze. Uh, there was a lot of uh, a frozen froth explosion and a mess on my back porch. Uh, so, let me just say, taste-wise, <laughs> it wasn't any better. Um, strike two. This does not convince me that I'm a bad home brewer. And so I tried one more attempt, and this was for my friend's reception. I made a batch of beer. Things went a lot better, in my opinion. The conditioning went better, no explosions. Um, and so I brought 24 bottles to my friend's wedding reception uh, with 24 bottles of Rolling Rock. And I had two coolers. One had Rolling Rock and ice and one had my home brews and ice. End of wedding reception, I was surprised that um, almost all the Rolling Rocks were empty and there were 23 bottles in my homebrew cooler. Uh, 23 bottles were in that homebrew cooler. I found the 24th bottle. It was about 10 feet away from the coolers. Uh, it had been opened and there were a couple of sips. I decided to open a 23rd bottle or another bottle and tried it myself. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so I took everything, packed it up uh, and put it in storage. And I moved from place to place, apartment to apartment, and yet, that's where it stayed. It stayed in storage. Now, three and a half years ago, um, my coworker, friend, Bob, Bobby G, long neck, um, now mentor, um, well, he had asked me, uh, do you, I drink beer? Do I drink bottled beer? And would I mind giving him my empty bottles? Which I did. Uh, I went the extra step. That's the kind of guy I am. I scraped the labels off the bottle. I cleaned the bottles and... Bob was impressed with those actions of mine and invited me to homebrew. Now, I, of course, had that 20-year-old experience, 20-year experience. And, um, you know, I said, sure, sure, Bob, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'm not sure where it was going to go or anything like that, but, I, you know, Bob's a good friend, and I wanted to, you know, take him up on that invitation. And so we went into his house, and I was impressed from the get-go. Number one, he had everything set out on a table. He had his notebook. He was very well organized. Number two, it was minimal space. Um, he had the table that occupied all his ingredients. He had a, a stovetop that was occupied by a kettle. And we produced this beer with very little mess. Um, that impressed me. Um, the second time I was at Bob's house, um, we transferred the wart from the primary to the secondary. And again, very minimal mess. And again, I was impressed. I was so impressed, I decided to go and beg to my wife on my knees uh, to be able to start this hobby. 
And she reluctantly agreed, having only one condition. Do not make a mess. <laughs> I don't think I've succeeded uh, every time, but I know that I've worked at it and um, have kind of not made as much of a mess. But it definitely has been a great three and a half year run in home brewing. And here I am today in my beer shed. So yes, I've been kicked out of the house. <laughs> and I'm in a beer shed, which I'm very happy about. So, um, you know, how do you get started in this hobby? Uh, which route should you go kind of thing? If I was to give you a suggestion uh, <laughs> of which route I would prefer if I was to start this hobby, I would go with the second route. And that is, you know, go out there. There's plenty of resources um, that you can get to start in home brewing. There's books, there's online, you know, the YouTube, um, online resources, and of course, podcasts. These are all things that can get you started uh, if you're interested in home brewing um, and not involve, uh, you know, butting up with anyone, butting up, buddy, getting together with someone. I can't say the word butting up, <laughs> butting up. <laughs> God, my lips. Uh, anyways, getting getting you know getting together with a buddy. Of course, if I had a preference between the two, um, I would probably go with my second way around. Now, now Bob's experience, my mentor's experience, twenty years ago. He's been brewing for over twenty years ago. He actually started home brewing with a friend, and uh, neither of them knew home brewing. Didn't know how to get started in it. But just like myself, uh, started with the joy of home brewing. Uh, resource and you know he and his buddies made the same kind of mistakes but you know they had each other to bounce things off of and was able to move forward with their home brewing experience to the point where Bob's been brewing for over 20 years continuously so you know if I was to say which way to go in home brewing which way you should start your hobby I would tell you that you know go to a local homebrew shop uh, go to home brewing clubs um, get a friend who has the same interest as you, find a mentor, and even go to breweries and taste products. But I would, I would tell you that I think it's always better to start this wonderful hobby with a friend and, or go to a, a homebrew shop and, 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 and speak to the owner and speak to fellow homebrewers uh, that might be at the shop. Uh, my favorite homebrewing shop, the one I go to, is uh, Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And what's great about um, that brew shop, um, pre-virus, of course, was is that they have this round table that's in the middle of the store. And almost every weekend that you'd go to this home brew shop, there would be a bunch of home brewers all sampling out their wares, which to me was just an exciting piece. You timed yourself so you'd go there on the weekends and you never knew who would be at that table. But what a great way to taste each other products, compliment each other, talk about, you know, improvements, talk about what's really great about the beer, etc. Um, but really have a great conversation. Homebrewers are just wonderful that way. Uh, homebrew clubs, pretty much the similar kind of thing where you, you know, a lot of homebrew clubs, you bring your wares, everyone tastes them, everyone, you know, talks about your beers, uh, you exchange recipes, um, you know, great resource to have and of course you can also build friendships and mentorships with 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 homebrew clubs 
both are great and both uh, allow you that that opportunity to start the hobby now in both cases you don't have to be an experienced home brewer or even have started the hobby but you're going to find someone probably a friend in that group that is just you know willing to pass on their knowledge and information just like Bobby G passes on his information and knowledge to me um, you know this is a great hobby. It's not difficult to begin it. It's, there's so many things that, that make it easier today than it was 20 years ago. The variety of ingredients, all those things that you can get today, the amount of information that you can get today is so different than it was 20 plus years ago. So it's a great hobby to get yourself into. You don't have to be an expert. I'm not. You just have to enjoy what you're doing. One of the things uh, Bob, my mentor, always has emphasized to me is when you're brewing, you're brewing for yourself. You're not brewing for the masses. You're not brewing to impress other people. Really, the primary person you should be impressing is yourself. And um, I can say it holds true. Um, you're going to be your toughest critic. There's no doubt about it. And when you hand your beers out to your friends or to the beer club or to the owner of that brew shop, you, you know, you're always going to be the toughest critic. But home brewing is really one of those kind of hobbies when you hand off a gift to a fellow home brewer or a friend or anything like that, the feedback you're normally going to get is that honest feedback that it's a really good beer. And, you know, if you're sending in for judgment and things like that, you can get that if you want that. Um, but home brewing is that kind of hobby that brings that camaraderie among fellow home brewers, people who enjoy beer, and you know who knows. Uh, through the years of your home brewing experience, you might be uh, an influencer to or a mentor to you know some young buck <laughs> or person who wants to get into the home brewing game. Um, but get started. Have a good time doing it. Most importantly, be patient with it. Um, I'm going to mention it many times. Play with your toys before you actually have to use them. So go out there, get a book, go online, listen to podcasts, listen to this podcast. Uh, I'll talk a lot about my beginnings. I'll talk about the things that keep homebrewing simple and easy for you. But go out there and have fun. Uh, do a homebrew or two. Uh, and have fun doing it. Um, find a friend that you can brew with and have fun uh, doing it with your friend. But it can be done. Don't let anything stop you. Have a lot of fun. Remember, a beer is best served when you make it yourself. I smell something burning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to segment two of my podcast. I'm going to use segment two of my podcast to talk about whatever, whatever I am brewing at the time or working on at the time. I hope that this inspires everyone as to the processes of home brewing and especially the beginning home brewers because I want you to enjoy the experience and know that it's a very easy thing to do. It's not difficult and everyone can do it if you're so inspired to do so. So what am I brewing this afternoon? A rustic French ale. And what I love about this rustic French ale is I brewed this over two years ago and it was the most popular beer that I brewed at the time. More home brewers 
I've asked for this recipe other than any other beer that I brewed, which kind of impresses me. Uh, it really is a very nice beer. It's a, um, a Saison, so it's light, it's crisp. Uh, the clarity in the beer was pretty amazing at the time. And it was very, very drinkable. What a great drinkable beer it was at that time. Um, what I'm going to be doing this time around, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it, is that I'm going to be brewing it as an extract brew. Now, I am primarily an all-grain brewer. My mentor, Bob, is an extract brewer. The recent conversations, being on the radio show with Bob and talking about how he brews his beers and you know, thinking, going back to my roots, I'm doing these podcast, you know, these podcasts, and I want to impart upon everyone that it's a real simple process, and you know, start as an extract brewer. Well, I'm going to be the example. I'm going to uh, walk you through the processes I'm going through as an extract brewer, especially for this brew, and let you know it's as simple as I say it is. It is really, really a simple process, and and I can't wait to let you know how it goes. So the bill in this, or the ingredients in this um, um, beer are uh, one pound of wheat malt Belgium milled, uh, six pounds of light dry extract, and I'm going to be using a light Pilsner DME, dry malt extract. 1.5 ounces of Galean hops, I'm gonna add that at the 60 minute mark on the boil. One teaspoon of gypsum, that's a mineral. I'm going to add that at the 60-minute point in the boil. One Warflock tablet. It's a clarifying agent. I'm going to add that at the 15-minute uh, in the boil. One ounce of Saz hops. I'm going to add that at the last 10 minutes of the boil. And a quarter teaspoon of Super Moss, another clarifying agent, at the last 10 minutes of the boil. So the process is, all right, I'm going to put in approximately... 3.82 gallons of water into a kettle. I'm gonna add the DME, the dried malt extract, to that water and bring that to a boil, monitoring it because I don't wanna have a boil over, right? So I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna raise that temperature, bring it to a boil, keep it settled so it doesn't overboil. I'm going to cook that DME in water for about 15 minutes at a full rolling boil. At which point I'm gonna add the wheat malt, the Belgian wheat, milled Belgian wheat malt, in a muslin bag into the ward. I'm also going to add the uh, Galean hops and the gypsum. This would be the 60-minute mark. I'm going to let that boil for 45 minutes till I reach about 15 minutes left in the boil, monitoring it the whole time, keeping that boil consistent, etc. I don't want it to be rolling so that it's like, you know, overboiling. I want it to be kind of like a moderate boil. We constantly see the bubbles, but it's not like rolling, so it's like, you know, <laughs> you can't see it because of the mist and so forth. I want to keep it a nice moderate boil for the full, full 75 minutes if I can. So at that, that mark when there's 15 minutes left, I'm going to add the Warflock tablet. Five minutes later, I'm going to add the Saz hops and the Super Moss. And then 10 minutes later, I'm going to take the wart off the heat. Now, the goal after taking this all off the heat is to bring this temperature down as quickly as I can. So I'm gonna take a chilled gallon, gallon and a half of um, uh, distilled water, as cold as I can get it. I'm 
I'm reaching around 80, 38 degrees on this temp. So I'm going to pour that into the wort, hopefully dropping that temperature as quickly as I can. I'll also be using some of that distilled water to rinse the grains, um, the, um, the wheat malt, Belgium grains, so I can extract as much of that without squeezing it. I'm never going to squeeze the grains. So I'm going to add that. So I'm going to rinse the grains with just chilled distilled water in hopes that I'll extract flavor from that. But at the same time, my primary goal with this uh, cooled distilled water is to bring the temperature of the wort down. I want to do it as quickly as possible. I'm also going to add enough of the distilled water to bring the volume of the wort up to five gallons, at which point I'm going to add the Belgium-style Saison ale yeast, all right, at 70, about 72 degrees. Cap it, put an airlock on it, and put it into storage. After that, I'll let it sit for about two weeks. So when you think about measurements, when I do my pre-boil gravity, I'm looking for a 1.07. At my post-boil gravity, I'm looking for 1.047. Okay, so when I put it in the fermenter, I'm looking for a 1.047. My goal, of course, is to have this in the fermenting environment at about uh, 67 degrees for about 14 days, two weeks. Just leave it in the fermenting environment, check the airlock activity from time to time, and just leave it there for 14 days. After 14 days, I hope to drop the temperature ever so slightly to about 54, um, maybe even lower than that. I might, I don't intend on cold crashing this one, which means to really drop the temperature and allow the uh, larger particulates to drop to the bottom. I just plan on bringing the temperature down uh, 20 degrees or so, so from 72 to about 54, uh, 52. And I'm going to let it sit at that for seven more days, at which point I'm ready to bottle the product. And I'll be adding 3.61 ounces of corn sugar to it and bottling the bottles. What makes this a fun activity at this point is 10 days from now, actually eight days, a little over a week from now, I am reproducing this recipe in all grain format with a friend of mine, Tony. He's going to be coming over and we're going to brew this exact same beer, a rustic French ale, with pretty much primarily the same ingredients with the exception that I won't be using dried malt extract, but I'll be using all grain. I'll be using about nine and a half pounds of Pilsner Turo. Um, but I'm very, very excited about comparing the two at the end of a five and a half week period. So think about it. Four weeks from now, I'll be drinking a rustic French ale extract brew. And four and a half, I mean, five weeks from now, five, five and a half weeks from now, I'll be drinking in one hand a rustic French ale extract brew, and in the other hand, I'll have a rustic French ale all-grain brew. And I can't wait to compare the two. It's a very exciting brew period for me. <laughs> After all this time that I've taken off from brewing, I'm going to brew a couple of beers in a short period of time. And I'll keep you updated as how the progress goes. I hope, again, this kind of inspires you. Uh, I'll be sending out another podcast really shortly, and I'll let you know how this afternoon's brew day goes. I anticipate that it's going to go well, very smoothly, and minimal mess. <laughs> right, honey? Minimal mess. So, folks, uh, I hope you enjoyed this segment, 
And remember, a beer best served is one that you make yourself. Fellow homebrewing enthusiast, where do you get your homebrewing supplies? I get mine from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday through Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy, excellent customer service, and a fellow home brewer. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it does not exist. (laughs) I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a Beer Better Served podcast sent you. Hello to segment three of a Beer Best Served podcast. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. (laughs) So what I'm going to do in segment three of all my podcasts is I'm going to talk about the beer, uh, you know, beers that I've made. I'm going to taste them, you know, review them on the podcast or beers that I've purchased from around or beers that I've been gifted from fellow homebrewers. So this beer that I'm trying today is um, uh, one of the Pilsners that I made. I made this, I brewed this in uh, February, February 19th of 2020. Um, I was going to make 2020 the year of the Pilsner before the, the virus changed that concept, before life changed that concept. So, um, you know, this is the second in the Pilsner series. Um, I'll be honest, I have, um, been slightly disappointed by this Pilsner. Uh, and the reason primarily is that it's more sweeter than I've enjoyed. And that kind of remains unchanged today. So something tells me that, um, I didn't have enough yeast or um, didn't give it enough time uh, to lager. Um, So it's a sweeter Pilsner, which is not my preference. It had little to to no carbonation, although if I agitate the glass, I can get some uh, light, tight bubbles out of it. But um, really isn't my favorite Pilsner. In fact, um, I'll drink it. 
I hand it out to fellow home brewers asking them for their advice on what I might do to improve it. But it's not a beer that I am, you know, overjoyed about. But you're going to have that from time to time in home brewing, right? You're going to produce a batch and, and, and <laughs> you know, when you brew a batch, you don't, unless you're a kegger, right? There's a lot of people who, you know, keg their beers and they get to drink them a lot sooner than us bottle conditioners, right? So as bottle conditioners, we have to wait. We have to be patient. We have to, you know, hope for success. We don't get to dump the beer out until after four to five weeks of investment. So um, this Pilsner, you know, again, I made it in February. I was hopeful after opening the first bottle that, you know, it improved. Um, you know, the carbonation's got ever so slightly better, but it, again, it's not my favorite beer of the year. Um, actually, edition three, sadly, I've already finished it. <laughs> so... I do have one last bottle, which I will celebrate with you later in another podcast, but um, Edition 3 came out so much better, and I, and I think a lot of the reasons why it did was because um, I approached it from a different different angle. So um, the water profile I used in this, so again, I brewed this in February, and the water profile I used in this was a, 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 Pilsen, a Czech Pilsen water profile, so it had... Uh, minerals in it to change around and give me, um, you know, a better uh, water profile closer to uh, what I wanted to have for a Pilsner. Um, so I used calcium chloride, Epsom salts, gypsum, um, and, uh, you know, change the water chemistry around. So I had phosphoric acid, 10%. Uh, I used 2.5 tablespoons. Um, I used, uh, that as a water starting profile. Um, you know, again, I don't know whether that was the correct thing to do. I was trying and I was using, um, Beersmith to get the water profile that I wanted. Um, and it was the first time that I had done that. I, it's the first time I actually added chemistry to my water to create a certain water profile. And admittedly, I did this for Pilsner 2 and I did this for Pilsner 3. I did not do this for the first Pilsner I made this year. And that turned out pretty good. I thought it turned out better than Pilsner 1. But definitely Pilsner 3 was the better, the best Pilsner I made all year long. And I used the same water chemistry for the two. And the water chemistry is a fun thing to play with when you're when you're doing your brew. So let me let me look at what I did here. So my notes. Water chemistry. Pilsner, Pilsen, Czech Pilsner, mash, 2.5 tablespoons of phosphoric acid. 10%. Sparge, 2.7 milliliters of phosphoric acid, 10%. 3.32 milliliters for four gallons of sparge H2O. The mash, I had three tablespoons of phosphoric acid, 10%. And in the sparge, I had 3.3 milliliters of phosphoric acid for 10%. Okay. The other thing I did in this um, uh, brewing process, is, and I've never done that before, is a triple decoction. Uh, mash, which means that I pulled portions of the mash out, brought it to a boil. So here are my notes on the decoction methods. So I scooped out the thickest mash, placing over heat, bringing to a boil, boiled for 10 minutes, and returning to the batch. In some cases, I did not reach the expected temperatures 
and I would scoop out some mash liquid and bring to a boil and reintroduce to the mash and repeat if temperature of the mash was still below expectations. So in the mash steps notes, the first decoction, I sco uh, six scoops of mash and four scoops of mash liquid. I had this large ladle. I think it was like a quart-sized ladle. And in the second decoction, I had seven scoops of the mash and six scoops of the mash liquid. And in the third step of the decoction, or the third decoction, I did three scoops of the mash and four, four mash liquid. In the mash out, I had nine scoops of liquid to bring the temperature above 170 degrees. So what do I think about it? It was a lot of work, and I wasn't entirely positive about what I did. I also don't think that the color, the color's a lot darker than I expect out of a Pilsner. So I don't think I'm going to kind of repeat that, and I'm going to have to do a little bit more research before I pursue on with the Pilsner game. Uh, in fact, I think I'm just going to do a few other beers. Like I had mentioned in the midsection of this podcast, I'm going to do a couple of rustic French ales, and then I'm going to do my Christmas beer. For all you home, bald man home brewing club members, you will be getting your Christmas beer this year, and that is the um, chocolate coffee porter which is the first beer that I focused on in my many years of home brewing, and it's the beer that I'm, I love to end the year on. It's the one beer that I <laughs> rarely mess up, and everyone really does love it. It just takes a lot of steps, and so no one really ever requests the recipe on that. So talking about this Pilsner here, again, I wish that so many things had gone differently. Um, then, because um, it was a huge investment, I, I've struggled through drinking uh, 48 bottles. How many bottles did I make? I made bottling day. Oh, was that great, huh? <laughs> I normally note how many bottles I bottle, and I did not in this case. So there had to be a reason for that. Maybe it was never meant to be. But I, it was probably around 48 bottles, uh, 12 ounce and a 16 ounce bottle. Um, so, you know, 49 bottles. Um, and I've worked my way through it. It's not my favorite beer, but, you know, I, I owe myself that. Every day I hope that it gets better, and it hasn't really. But, you know, I love this game. I love homebrewing, so I'm not going to give it up. <laughs> so, to all those homebrewers out there, never give up. Relax, have a homebrew. You're your most critical judge, by the way. You will always be your most critical judge. But if you're happy with it, flip that top, pour it into a glass, and enjoy your homebrew. Even if it's <laughs> the year of the Pilsner and the second edition sucks compared to the first or the third, it still means, guess what? You've got a beer to drink. Enjoy it while you can. Well, this is the end of the podcast. As I like to end all my podcasts, I give a toast to all those homebrewers out there. If you're new to homebrewing, visit my page. Um, it is Bald Man Homebrewing. Um, I always post what I'm doing on that day. I always post the recipes that I'm going to be using in my homebrewing experience. But more importantly, you can communicate through that to me. Um, if you're interested in homebrewing in itself. Um, and I want to inspire a lot of people to do some homebrewing. Um, so to you, I toast you. 
I also toast my family and my wife. Uh, I want to thank my wife especially. She's allowed me to get into this hobby. And I've really, really enjoyed it to my kids. Uh, they've always been very, very supportive towards uh, allowing their father to do this while he can. Um, and of course, my mentor. I'd like to uh, hang a toast or present a toast to Bobby G. Without him, I would have never gotten into this game. So my wife blames you. <laughs> Everyone, relax, have a homebrew, and remember, a beer is best served when you make it yourself. Celebrating my first podcast, I would like to offer a starter kit for a new home brewer. This is a True Brew beer equipment kit, new in box. If you're interested, please visit my Facebook page, Bald Man Homebrewing, where you will see the kit being offered. Leave me a message why you would like to begin this awesome hobby. All I ask is that you pay for the shipping. All right, we're done here. Put the damn thing in a box, tape it up, ship it out. No questions asked. All right, you got a problem with that? 